0: Amen. He is the sure and steady anchor. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It is good to be back with you uh, in the land of the living. And uh, as Jim said a minute ago, we look forward to... The future when we will really be in the land of the living. I want to bring an encouragement to you today from our continuing study of first Thessalonians., uh, we are in chapter five, just to bring you up to where we were about three weeks or so ago before this uh, this whole thing began. Uh, we were going through, working through, The passage of Scripture at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in which we were talking about the impact of the gospel message uh, on our lives as followers of Christ. And so we went through two parts of that and then we took a break. And uh, so we're back to the last part of that, that we are destined for salvation. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. I only pray for those of us who are in this room today and for those of you who are watching at home and online that we can somehow do it justice, get not just eternity into our hearts but get our hearts geared for eternity as well. So with that in mind, let's read this together. You follow along silently and rather than go back and read the whole thing, I'm just going to park on these several verses that are our focal point today, chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians, verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, so that, here's the focal point today, whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Father, I praise you and thank you now that we can come together as the, the body of Christ called Heritage Baptist Church. I thank you that while uh, there, There is just a relatively small group of us in this building today that we are part of one another. And we are doing exactly as you have called us to do. Thank you for the fact that we have been worshiping you up to this point. We've been singing your word. We've been reading your word, praying your word. And now, Father, we have the opportunity to hear your word preached, proclaimed, and then to respond to what You have to say to us. God, it's it's in these days paramount that we get our hearts, our minds around this thing called eternity. And so I pray that today would be a, a step in that direction, as Paul so desired to do, to encourage the brothers and sisters going through a variety of circumstances. And I pray that this would be an encouragement to us and to those listening and to generations of people who name the name of Jesus. So thank you, Father, for this time. We give it to you. We bless your holy name. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in a very real way, Paul was speaking to Christians, now get this, almost 2,000 years ago, who were dealing with very, very similar issues. And I I went back through, I had a lot in my introduction about what was going on, what had gone on, what is probably going to go on. But if if you go back, I want to remind you that there is a context to what Paul is saying here when we're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, you might have to flip over in your Bible, if you still have it open, uh, to chapter 4 in verse 13, because he was dealing with something that these folks were also dealing with. He was dealing with grieving over loss. He was dealing with a sense of hopelessness Now, they had been misinformed, obviously, but it had to do with death. And if you go back, chapter 4, verse 13, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Same word that he uses in the passage of Scripture today, dealing with physical death, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. You know, the the more I listen to all that is going on around us, and really the choices are few, aren't they? You you listen to either uh, conservative media or you listen to mainstream media, and it seems to me that the rhetoric is actually being bumped up some. Words are used, even superlative words about the condition of not just our country, but our world. And I I don't know, I, I'm not going to tell you that I believe that it's all a conspiracy to, to, to push us into a place of hopelessness, but I do know this, that for many people it is working. But but. Ultimately, what is the key issue? What is the the answer to emotional loss and to anxiety? And, And here Paul is talking about that ultimate, at least all around us, death. Twice Paul says to encourage one another. Now, here's an encouragement. I go back to my own experience of the last several weeks. I'm still not over all of this completely, and by the way, this thing is very, very real, and it impacts people differently. We, we know that. But when we begin to think about what is out there and the fact that most people, I want to carefully say this, will recover there are still those who don't. Now, Jim, you mentioned our dear brother John Crowe a minute ago. COVID was not a part of his situation, but we got word this last week that one of our, one of our dear missionaries, and if uh, some of you have been around uh, for a while, you'll recognize the name Dave Dawson. Navigator guy, he, he, we were supporting him as a church long before I came, and Dave got sick with COVID and 83 years old, very active, still traveling internationally. And this last Wednesday, he went home to be with the Lord Jesus. So, you, you know, we run, we, we run this, this fine line between the reality that many, many people are going to recover from this, and, and hopefully help is around the corner Parenthetically, I would say we do not know what's coming after that. But at the same time, there is a seriousness to this. So, here's what Paul does. Now, I want you to watch what he does here. And for the church to do anything less, I think, would be wrong. We don't need empty platitudes. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I hear that sometimes. Sometimes. And, and all of it is well-meaning, I'm sure, but, but when somebody has come through this and, and, and they fall into the, well, you know, we're all going to make it through this kind of platitude, and the fact of the matter is that that may not be true. But here is what Paul does when he wants to encourage Now, remember again, twice he has said, I want you to encourage one another. And more specifically, when he says it in chapter 4, verse 18, he says, therefore, encourage one another with what? With these words. We do not need empty platitudes. What we need is what Paul gives us in this passage of Scripture that I just got through reading. We need a solid dose of of good theology, about the reality of wrath. We talked about that four weeks ago. About the reality of the atoning work of Jesus Christ, the provision that God has given to us through Him, and we need the rock-solid reality of the fact of eternity. quoted for you the Heidelberg Catechism. I know there are several people in this church that love the Heidelberg Catechism. majority of you probably say, what in the world is that? But but the very first question, this is one of the things that sets it apart from some of the other catechisms and and, uh, uh, the confessions of faith. Uh, It's right there in the middle of your quotes. I just want to I'm going to come back and and, and read the answer to this, but I love the fact that it starts out with the reality of eternity. What is your only comfort in life and in death? Now, stop right here. This is not just for old folks like me who get COVID. And I was wondering that first week when I was fighting that fever and, and, and just felt, Awful and all of the rest of that, wondering, Lord, is this the time that you're going to take me home? And in light of that, what is my only comfort in life and in death? This is also for our precious teenagers, our, our students, younger people. What is your only comfort in life and death? And there's a lot out there that can that can tell you that it's going to give life and comfort, but what really, bottom line, is the only comfort in life and death? It's, as I said a minute ago, sound doctrine is always the foundation for solving our personal and emotional problems. This is the gospel, what I just read to you. It's the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel. The gospel is, how do I say it? The gospel is it. It it is all there is. Without the gospel, there's nothing else. And so, in this brief passage, we're going to go back, review just a few minutes. Not totally. That will be for you to go back and perhaps listen to some other messages, but basically we we have said this by way of review if we go back a couple of weeks. God knows where you come from. God knows where you are and who you are and whose you are, and He knows where you're going to end up. Okay, let's go back. Three parts of our hope, three parts of our hope. You see it there in your outline, uh, the first part of uh, uh, verse 9. Our salvation is based on, watch this, God's purposes. Again, I'm not going to go back and rehearse everything that we did, but I just want to point out for you, without going too far afield and getting into some other kinds of thoughts, but read this very carefully. For God, now this is for you, believer… And remember, all of this, the gospel hope is for believers. This is not a general statement for people out there. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I know you know this intellectually. But sometimes we need to think about this. Because there is, even among Christians, this thought that what is going on right now, and I mentioned what could be around the corner, we don't know, or what went on earlier, or all the rest of that, is a result of, get this, chance. Oh yeah, yeah, God God has a purpose behind it all, but does He really? I find it interesting in my own life sometimes, in the past, that I've done this. And maybe you have fallen into this, or maybe you know people who do, but somehow, sometimes we fear God's purposes. And if we really understood God and His purposes, we would never fear them, The true recognition of God's absolute sovereignty will always exclude fear, and out of the fear, murmuring. Let me, let me just give you a couple of things that you need to know that are reality. You know, we just said that God has not destined us for wrath. It is appointed once for a man to die. And then after that comes the judgment. Romans 1.18 also tells us the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, now watch this, by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Again, I don't want to get into all of the things that People are 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 talking about today. It isn't it hard to know what exactly is the truth, and who is telling the truth and who is suppressing the truth, folks? uh, Again, it's not that that is unimportant, but if we truly understand the fact that God is sovereign, and one of my favorite quotes, you've heard me quote it before and I'll no doubt quote it again, was from R.C. Sproul, that there are... now, Now, put this into the context of what we're dealing with. There are no maverick molecules. If one molecule is outside of God's control, then that means that none of His promises can be true. Now, how do we get there, not destined for wrath? We know that we have to, and it goes back into the first chapter. If you, if you go back far enough, you're going to see that, that, that the Thessalonians had to do something. You and I have also had to do something, turning to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. But Going back to the Romans verse that I just had up on the screen, wrath is... And wrath is coming. But let me go back and reiterate something I said just a few weeks ago, but not for us. I I, I don't know that sometimes we really remember that, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, we will never, ever experience not one iota of God's wrath. why is that? We asked a question a minute ago from the Heidelberg Catechism. Let's go ahead and read the answer to that. What is your only comfort in life and death? Again, nice platitudes? No, there is meat to this, that I, with body and soul, both in life and in death. Could have been quoting right out of 1 Thessalonians 5, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with His precious blood has fully satisfied all my sins. That's why there's no wrath. And redeem me from all the power of the devil. Is this an encouragement in these days? so and so preserves me that without the will of my father in heaven not a hair can fall from my head indeed that all things must work together for my salvation wherefore by his holy spirit he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. And that's why we go on to the second thing, by way of review. Again, we're not going to spend a lot of time and hunker down on this, but verses 9 and 10 tell us that our salvation was not only planned and mapped out by God so that we are not destined for wrath, and there is a reason for that because Jesus is the one who died for us. He is the purchase price We talked about the sinfulness of sin. Why the atonement? What had to happen there? Do you remember that? At one moment, just as if I'd never sinned. That Jesus died to bring us up to just as if we had never broken God's law, but wonder of wonders, also in His death and in His resurrection, He imputed to us His righteous life. So not only just as if I had never sinned, but also just as if I had always perfectly kept the law of God. And that's true of you and me. That's why from the Old Testament, all through the Bible, we, we see this picture of Christ in His finished work. Surely He has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. But there is something that flows out of that, folks. That's what we've talked about the, the last little while, but that brings us up to today in verse 10, the last part of it. Our salvation is based on God's promise of eternal life. Now watch this. So that whether we are awake, please understand that is a a, a way of saying that we are alive right now. You and I, right here in this room, we are physically alive. So whether we are right now physically alive or whether we fall asleep, as our brother John Crose did. His body's in the grave. He's awaiting that day that Jesus is going to come, resurrect his body. That's being asleep, but fully, fully conscious. Look at this, that we might live with him. You know, eternity has always been a big deal. You ever notice that? Ecclesiastes, also easy. he has put eternity into man's heart. I was, I was meditating on this last week. It was a challenge to meditate through the fog. And, but but I, I, went, I started thinking back to the garden and wondering about the exchange. Now, I, I'm not going to develop this, but I was just wondering about what it might have been like For Adam, who was created by God, now remember, his body was created, then he he became a living being, and so God is talking to him, and he gives him a promise and a warning, a motivation. He tells him what he can do, he tells him where he can eat, and he tells him where he can't eat, and then he throws something in there that I wondered, I, I really wondered if Adam had the capacity to understand what God was talking about. He said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Because in the day that you eat of it, you will die. And so I'm I'm sitting there looking at that and thinking, I, I wonder if Adam had any kind of a category for that. What's what's die? What's dead? What what does that mean? I mean, nothing in the garden. get, Get this. Everything was alive. Nothing had died. And yet we know the sad story because it soon came, and through the sin of Adam, the whole cosmos was plunged into death. And then again, I, I don't want to sound morbid, but, but maybe, maybe it's good for um, times when, when we do get sick or, or, or just times to stop and think when there's a death of a loved one, death of someone we know, um, and, and, and maybe to ask the question, I wonder how I'm going to die. I did several weeks ago. Now, now I wasn't at the point of death, don't no, I'm not being melodramatic. I, I was not. But it, 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 I, I think it's a good exercise, at least I think it was for me, to say, what will cause my death? The thing that I know is that because of the fall, I do have a category. I'm not like Adam. I do see what happens. And I, all of us can see the things that go on around us. And it is inevitable. But then I remember that you and I were created for life. And that death is an interruption. One person said it this way uh, about Christians in the church today. I don't, you know, sometimes I read these things and I wonder are these criticisms valid and all of the rest of that. But he used these words and he said, uh, he said the church really has eternity amnesia. Eternity amnesia. And he went on in this article to talk about the fact that, that you and I, as believers, we are, we are what's called pilgrims, strangers, aliens, ambassadors, working far from home. Our citizenship is in heaven. And again, I was made to wonder, for me, for for many of us, maybe we have become so attached to this present world that we have forgotten eternity. And let me just say it like this: I, I don't words are not going to they're, they're just not going to do justice, and how wonderful eternity is going to be and and, and here's here's where I think Paul. When he says, first of all, encourage one another with these words, and then at the very last in verse 11, he says, therefore, encourage one another and build up one another. What what do you have? Really, really, what do you have? If you're visiting someone or or you're talking with someone who is on their deathbed, what encouragement do you have in the end? The nice platitude that tomorrow things are going to get better? that the vaccine is right around the corner. And again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but God is not mocked. Who knows what's coming in the years ahead? And that's why Paul wants to give rock-solid encouragement. Now remember, this is not just for the general public. Paul gives this encouragement to believers about eternity. There's a reason for that. I'll try to get to that in just a minute. And it's because you and I cannot, we can't make sense out of this life unless we look at it from the vantage point of eternity. And so here's what Paul has done. He's encouraged two gospel realities. We're not destined for wrath. That ought to put you on shouting ground but to obtain salvation. And then he goes beyond and says, look at this, you're going to live forever with Jesus. You're living with him right now, but you're going to live forever. Now let let me just do a couple of things. You can write down these verses and study them on your own. Uh, I'll encourage you to read a book if you don't have it or if you haven't gotten it. Get the book by Randy Alcorn Heaven. It's kind of thick, but it's an easy read. Any article uh, that Randy Alcorn writes on heaven, I think, is probably a pretty good uh, Eternal Perspectives Ministries. I, you know, you would, you would do yourself a favor to just kind of park in a little study of heaven. And that's what I did this last week, and I thought, oh my, I, I'm just, again, not going to do it justice, but let me, let me tell you three things that, that uh, uh, according to my study, that heaven that heaven is and will be, all right? Number one, it's an experience. I, I first put down a thing. Thing wasn't very descriptive, so that's experience. Everybody's up for experiences. But now look at this. I, I want you to see that heaven, and we're going to come back and try to apply, put, ball this all together. We're not going to spend a lot of time on any of these things because there, there is still mystery that's involved. But, but Paul talks about an experience that he had. Now, watch out, because there are a lot of books that are out today. We call them heaven logs, and uh, they talk about people dying and go to heaven. Many of them have been debunked. I don't know of too many books that are on the other side where they die and go to hell and come back. Uh, seriously, but, uh, but there are these. But th- this is not like this. This is a bona fide experience that the Apostle Paul had, and he doesn't give, he doesn't give a lot around it, but he just talks about it as being an incredible now get this real it was a real experience i know a man he's using third person who in christ 14 years ago whether in the body i do not know or out of the body i don't know but his candor is just refreshing god knows such a man was caught up into the third heaven into paradise now where is paradise Heaven, where's heaven? Paradise. Whatever, Wherever John Kroos went, he was in paradise. It's not the final, okay? We, we don't have time to get into all of the theology there. It's not the new heavens and the new earth. Remember, John's body is in the grave. It'll be resurrected. He gets a resurrected body in which he will inhabit. It'll be fitted for the new heavens and new earth. So we're not exactly sure, and do we call it a present state, an intermediate state? I do not know, but it is, let me just say it like this. It is there, and it is real, and wherever it is, our loved ones who have died in Christ are there right now. And it's paradise. So, it's an experience. Second thing, I just said this, it's a place. Jesus reiterated this fact. In my Father's house are many rooms. Um, We can go far afield from there. But basically, the point is, look, guys, if it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place you. Heaven is a place, a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. But do you know what really makes heaven, heaven? We've talked about this before. Probably every memorial service, funeral service that we talk about, it's not just an experience, not just a place, it's a person. There's so many different verses, but I just chose this one, the the story of of Jesus dealing with a man who absolutely did not deserve anything but wrath. But God had not destined him for wrath, right? He destined him to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why when he said, remember me, I repent I repent of my attitude. I repent of my sins, Lord. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, into your place, into that experience of paradise. And Jesus said, Bud, you know what? Today you're going to be with me in paradise. And as painful as death is, and as right as, as it is to grieve. I I hope you have not heard me taking light, making light of death. It's a rending, it's a ripping. But as bad as it is, we rejoice our departed loved ones are in the presence of Christ. It's not an end of relationship. It's just an interruption. Couple of things I just thought about this last week for your consideration about heaven. You ready? One thing it's not going to be is boring. I I I think that there are some who are old enough. You grew up in a in, in, a, in a church where uh, when the preacher started talking about heaven, your eyes kind of glazed over. And you, you got this this sense of uh, people just sitting around playing harps all day, and um, you, you know, and 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 it being like, uh, 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 being like the worship service you were sitting in there where you were bored stiff. One thing we can know about heaven is it's not going to be boring. I've used this illustration before. See how it works. I want I want you to think. Okay, you ready? I want you to think of the most incredible experience that you've ever had. You got it? Okay, just the the most incredible, the the best thing that you've ever experienced in your life. All right, Have, have you isolated it? Okay, now, what I want you to do is multiply that times infinity, stretch it out through eternity with no sin or sadness or tears or anything else that creeps into our experience here, and you've just begun to maybe understand a little bit of what heaven will be like. Here's another one. Have you ever been in love? I'm looking for guys to nod. Come on. <laughs> Work with me, guys. I was just thinking about this. When you're in love, and, and you, you know that after an absence, you're going to, to see your, your loved one. It really doesn't matter where you are. I mean, that's okay. It could be Hawaii, but it could be in the middle of the desert. The key is that you're with the one that you love. There's so many things in life that satisfy, but only for a season. Everything that we depend on comes and goes, but in heaven our joy will never fade. Do you know why? Because, get this, it's, this is theology, it's rooted in God's infinity. And if God is truly the first and the best of beings and He is infinite, then our joy will never fade because He is the one being in the universe of whom it can never be said that's all there is. I've exhausted my vocabulary but but I pray I pray that you would just get your 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 heart and your mind around this kind of thing that eternity is truly going to be almost not quite but almost beyond imagination I've heard this verse used to say we can't know what heaven is like that's not what this verse is saying Saying it's almost beyond imagination. Look at this what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, heart of man imagined, what God has prepared. But then look at this next phrase these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So we do get a glimpse of the eternal. That's why Paul says it's so vital to our hope and to our faith. Verse 11, our salvation is the only true source of comfort and encouragement to ourselves and to others. You know, Jim used this verse this last week in terms of telling us that we need to be an encouragement and how do we we be an encouragement to others? I said it just a minute ago. When that time draws near and, and you're talking with someone You've received encouragement because you know of the reality of eternity and God has given you that comfort. Now, here's what you do. You turn around and you just pass that comfort along. You become, as the words that that Paul used here, the paraclete. You become like the Holy Spirit. You, You draw alongside and you encourage and strengthen with words and then you build up the continued need for God in your life. The reality is this all of us will stand before God, everyone in this room. Now, I look around and I know. Every one of you. And and hopefully can safely say that you have trusted in Jesus Christ in your heart. But just think about this for other people around you. All will stand before him. What's the difference? Some will stand before him with a mediator. The Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we're not destined for wrath because we stand in the presence of the mediator. But there are so many people who will stand before him without a mediator. That's why we not only encourage one another with these words, but those with whom we have contact out there, we can give them the eternal hope that we ourselves have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you and praise you now for the reality of eternity. I thank you that you have destined us not for wrath but for salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we live or die, we are with the Lord. Father, I pray that our hearts would be encouraged by that. And then we would use that as an an opportunity to share with others around us who do not have that same encouragement. God, if there's anyone in this room today who does not know Jesus as the mediator, oh God, I cry out to you that they would not slip into eternity without knowing Jesus Christ, repenting of their sin Falling before the Lord Jesus, asking forgiveness and allowing you to apply the blood of the cross to their lives. So we thank you, Lord, for this and pray now that as we respond and go from this place or at home, if we are listening, we respond to this in our hearts that you would help us now to go in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, for we pray it in his name. Amen.